This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you're well today. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is we won. We won. And uh, it wasn't impressive. There were some stretches there. We looked pretty good. Other times we didn't. We're going to break all that down today. But we did win the football game. And you wouldn't know that by reading some of the social media commentary and the message boards. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, a lot of those comments are, are, are rooted in fact. You know, I mean, yeah, we, we wanted to win the game and have some style points. Offensively, we did some good things, and we scored seven on, on 12 of possessions and probably should have scored on two more. But we won. We won. And that's about as nice as I can say it. And I hate to be all poor mouth about it, but uh, I'm trying to be a realist here. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, the whole goal is to go 1-0. That's true. We did go 1-0. Yes. But the problem that so many people see is that many of the issues that persisted in the first couple of games have continued to linger. Uh, guys, there was one situation on Saturday on a fourth and one play where they went for it, and they got 29 yards. We had nine defenders on the field. Nine. Not ten. Nine. You're supposed to have 11, and we're two guys short. And the problem that I have with that is we had plenty of time to substitute because the offense substituted. And Brock and Arnett are both out on the field, and then we still have nine defenders. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and beat people up. We're going to call it for how we see it. I guess if we'd have had eight, it would have been a touchdown. But how do we have nine players on a field on a possession play like that? Not to mention you got three timeouts. If it's, if it's that significant, burn one of the timeouts, you got a lead. Those are the things that concern me more so than anything else is we need to look like we know what we're doing. You know, that first ball game against Southeastern, we had one penalty in the game, and that was on an effort play. You know, wasn't that pre-snap penalty, wasn't an alignment penalty. You know, it was a deal where, you know, we're out there trying to make a tackle. We just happened to get a hand on a face mask, and we get flagged for it, you know. And it appeared we knew what we were doing. That's good coaching. But having nine guys on the field on a fourth and one, in a game that you're trying to put somebody away, that's not good coaching. Let's just call it for what it is. Now, we'll get Zach Arnett later this week, and I don't know if that topic will be broached. If we had a regular press conference today, we probably would have that discussion. But those are the kinds of things, those are the mistakes you can't make at week six. I would expect that in week one, maybe week two, but week six, we're halfway through the season. How does that happen? And I understand, listen, you've got some guys that are injured. You've got guys on different personnel groups. You've got some things that, uh, that happen. But I'm not going to make excuses for that. It is inexcusable to have nine players on the field at any point, much less on a fourth and one play, where we're trying to get off the field. That just can't happen. Those are the things that concern me, the organizational things. Listen, you're going to have you know, human 
physical error. You're going to have physical mistakes. But you can't have mental mistakes. You can't have alignment mistakes. People have to know what they're doing. People have to understand, hey, you're a part. Hey, it's goal line. You need to be in there. And that's what you practice for. That's what you have team meetings for all throughout the week. And you just simply can't have situations like that. You can't have situations like that. That is a major concern for me. I don't know how you feel, but that's what bothers me the most. There are a lot of things that bother me. And people say, Steve, you're being so negative. I'm just being honest with you. I don't understand why we continue to just send Bookie and Jet up the A and B gap, and if we don't get home, middle of the field's wide open. I don't understand why our pressures are not a little more exotic. And that was kind of the tenet of this offense, this defense, excuse me, is you never knew who was coming, when they were coming, where they're coming from. We're, we're not nearly as innovative as on offense as I expect, defense as I expected us to be. Now, did I expect some growing pains offensively? You better believe it. But offensively, we played pretty well. Put up 41 points. Again, scored on 7 of 12 drives. But defensively, and I get, we talked about it for, for the better part of a year now. You know, we knew we were going to have some concerns in the secondary. They're worse than I ever imagined. One of the things I want to point out, too, there are so many people that are beating this narrative about, well, it's 13 quarterback. You know, do you know anything about Wolf? I've learned a lot more in recent days, and uh, I've, I uh, offer an apology for not being better informed because Wolf hadn't played much. That guy stomped for over 6,000 yards as a college quarterback. He was a two-year starter at Old Dominion, started 22 games. They signed him thinking that maybe he may come in and be the guy. He looked good on Saturday. Now, some of that's because of our own ineptitude on defense. But to suggest that he's some kind of scrub, uh, it's a little short-sighted. Let's get to it, though. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great group, the Eat With Us group. Uh, matter of fact, I ate with them last night. When I get ready to, to go out to eat and just have a little uh, you know, late lunch or an early dinner or whatever, uh, typically the Eat With Us group's restaurants top of my list. But Bulldog Burger Company, man, I tell you what, I always have such a great time when I go in there and spend time with them because, again, there's so much in life that's not guaranteed. When you go to Bulldog Burger Company, you're guaranteed to have a good meal at a good price and get exemplary service. You know what to expect when you put your feet under their table. You've already got your own favorites. You go and have that great restaurant quality hamburger. It'll turn your day around. The portions are so incredibly substantial. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. We're trying to live in a society here. We want to be as attractive as we can. Should be part of your uh, self-care regimen. Get that chocolate shake to go so you ride that ride home with a smile. Sometimes I like to get the bread pudding to go. You get home, put it in the fridge, and a little bit later in the evening when I get a little bit of a sweet tooth, I go grab that uh, bread pudding and knock that out. You should too. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, uh, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. So many great locations. Excellent management group. Uh, they're going to take care of you. You can go out and have an adult beverage with friends or have a night out with family. Uh, they can accommodate you no matter what your needs are. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, Mississippi State wins a toss. We elect to defer. I'm always in favor of that. 
I don't know, call it from my old, uh, you know, Bill Walsh's college football days. I always like getting the ball coming out of the half because I like to manage things well, you know, in the, in the end of the first half, give myself a chance to go two for one. But we, uh, we win the toss, we defer. I'm happy about that. And uh, actually, defense played pretty well the first uh, 25 minutes or so, 20 to 25 minutes of this game. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I guess the first 21 plays of Western Michigan's offensive production, they got 52 yards. That dog will hunt. So it seemed like we were prepared for what they wanted to do, and then they made some adjustments, and uh, we didn't adjust with them. But here we go. Uh, and let me just go ahead and say it right out of the gate. Uh, Nick Nicholas Barmira is a weapon for Mississippi State. You know, he didn't have a ton of touchbacks against Alabama. Uh, if memory serves me correct, and we'll confirm this later in the show, 100% on kickoffs against Western Michigan. And the fact that we're talking about our kickoff specialist before we get into the breakdown says a lot about the performance. And again, I don't mean to be negative, but uh, I want to give uh, Nick a tip of the cap there. All right, they, uh, Western Michigan, and you may not be aware of this, maybe you didn't pay attention, but Buckley wasn't even playing. Their best offensive player didn't even play for them, Joe Buckley, who was seventh in the country and rushing going into the ballgame. All right, first and ten, they give it to Zahir Abdus Salim for a, a gain of one. We're not going to repeat that every time. All due respect to him and his family. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a mouthful. All right, second nine, Jack Slopek, who started. Uh, Trace and Bourget did not, did not start. Uh, it's complete to Zahir. We're going to call him that. Uh, for 12 yards and a first down. One of the few first downs they had before that long 14-play, 75-yard scoring drive. Uh, Salopak then complete to Austin Hens for a one-yard loss. Nice play on the perimeter here by Corey Ellington. We haven't talked about him much, but he is kind of emerging a little bit here as of late. Did a really good job tackling out there on the perimeter. There were times they get him out in space and they pair, they pair him up with uh, a guy and they, they can't make him miss. You know, good, so good job by Ellington. Second 11, Zaheer runs off left side for seven. Uh, back up the middle for three, which makes it a fourth and one. They elect to go for it. And who can blame them? I mean, you're on the road in an SEC environment, and, uh, you know, the crowd was extremely thin. And you're showing your team, hey, we're here to win the ball, the ball game. We're here to win. So Zaheer gets nothing. We stack it up there. Nathan Pickering, Jaden Crumity teaming up on the tackle there. Makes it first and 10 from their 47. Short field. We go right to work here. Uh, Woody off left side for 13. We find Creed Whittemore, a Creed Whittemore siding. People have been hoping to get him back in lineup. And uh, as I shared earlier this week, we, we fully expected him to play a good bit. And he did. On second and five, we get it out to Jaden Wiley, who hadn't played much at all here as of late and uh, really needed him to have a big year so far it, that hasn't materialized. With 15 yards there, and State's getting, you know, start, starting to get some chunk plays, moving the chains, uh, already achieving two first downs within the first three plays of the drive. First and 10, uh, pass broken up, intended for Jaden Wiley. Made it second 10. We give it to Marks, who goes off left side for two. Uh, we're inside the 15 now, third and eight from their 12, and uh, we bring Mike Wright in the ballgame. They stack it up, and again, I think, again, we have been so incredibly transparent what we expect Mike Wright to do. Of course, over the course of this ballgame, we changed the narrative a little bit, but why would you not sell out on a run blitz here? Donald Willis from the tackle. Uh, Kyle Ferry completes the field goal. Those three now, then we really needed to get seven there. Really needed to get seven. You get plus field position. You want to get on the board, and we do. 
but uh, a little disappointed we didn't get seven. All right, Bulldog defense back on the field here. More efficient possession here for uh, the Bulldog defense as uh, Western Michigan goes three and out. Uh, Salapak is incomplete across the middle. Crumity with a uh, you know big paw up in the air there to bat that thing down. Second and ten, we get a sack. It's Buki Watson coming clean there on third and 15. They get it out to Sambucci for just two yards. And Sambucci, of course, their uh, most prolific wide receiver, had three touchdowns uh, last week against Ball State. Uh, gets banged up against Mississippi State. And uh, really not a factor in this ball game. Uh, the punt is 47 yards, and Xavion returns at 15 yards to the 46. So back-to-back drives for the Bulldogs out near midfield. First and 10, we go right to work. Simeon Price runs off left side. Really nice run for him, too. Uh, Jeffrey Pittman was unavailable for this ball game. We saw him earlier in the week with a boot on his foot. Uh, there was some discussion about, you know, he may play. We'll see. But he could have played. We elected to hold him out. And uh, with the depth we have at running back, that clearly was the right decision. We're going to need him to be completely healthy to beat Arkansas. All right, first and 10 from their 43. Mike Wright uh, runs for a two-yard loss. And, again, when you're transparent what you do, you can't hold linebackers accountable. Second and 12 were complete to Freddie Roberson for 17. That's Will Rogers back under center there. Uh, Freddie with a breakout game for the Bulldogs. A bit of a coming-out party for the former Eastern Washington receiver. Uh, first and 10 – uh, Rodgers complete to Woody for 13. And, again, it just, it's just kind of like a knife through butter here. It's like the only time they were able to stop us in this ball game is when we did something silly. First and 10, we hit Jordan Mosley. Touchdown uh, from 15 yards. Extra point is good, makes it 10-0. So back-to-back scoring drives for the Bulldogs to open the game here. You start getting the sense of things. You know what? State's here to play. We're playing well defensively, playing pretty well offensively, even though things bogged down a little bit on the first drive. You start thinking, okay, we're good to go. All right, Western Michigan, again, after the touchback, Zaheer runs left side for two. Uh, Salapak is complete to Leroy Thomas for 28 yards. If memory serves me correct, we blew a tackle here. Sean Preston cleans that up. Uh, first and 10, Zaheer up the middle for three, back to him for five, makes it a third and two. They call timeout with just 3.36 to go in the first quarter. Pretty fast-moving ball game at this point. Third and two, they swing it out to um, uh, to Caden Morris, uh, and it's incomplete. Fourth and two from our 37, and they're going to go. They take a shot here, and this is the play where Sambucci got uh, got banged up and had to be helped from the field. Uh, nice play here. I believe it was Marcus Banks there in coverage, uh, which you're not going to win a foot race with Marcus Banks. So, again, the Bulldog defense getting a stop here. You had the one big chunk play there, but by and large, a pretty good, uh, you know, series there. And again, about half of their first half yardage prior to that scoring drive comes on that one play. All right, first and 10 from our 37. Mike Wright in a quarterback, runs up the middle for four. Wright stays in the ball game, swings it out to Freddie Roberson for five, brings up a manageable third and one. Uh, we give it to Woody. And usually Woody on short yardage, if we get any push at all, can kind of pick his way clean. He does here for three to move the chains. First and ten, right, runs up middle for seven. Incomplete then to Xavion Thomas, brings up a third and three. And again, short yardage, you give it to Woody. Runs off left side for seven. On first and ten, the final play of the first quarter, uh, we run off right side this time with Woody for seven again. So we're, you know, we're running the football effectively here in this ballgame. We ran it pretty well against Alabama. You would think we got to be able to do it again against Western Michigan, and, and we did. All right, open up the second quarter at their 30. Second three is your down and distance. 
Right is incomplete to Freddie Roberson right at the sticks, and Freddie kind of fights ahead here uh, to get the first down. First and 10th, they're 27. You think, okay, we're fixing to go put this thing in the end zone. The first official and full series uh, of the, the young season, or uh, not young anymore, but uh, for Mike Wright. He runs to the middle for five. Then we're complete to Creed Whittlemore for six, but it's a loss on the play. And this is one of those things, too, you know, you, you got to throw this thing away. You know, it's like we, we have a predetermined read here, but they were getting downhill on us pretty quick. Our quarterback here has got to make a better decision here. And of course, yeah, listen, I get maybe the play design itself probably is predicated on the fact that, hey, we're just going to get it out quickly to perimeter. But uh, give Western Michigan credit for making the play there. Brings up a third and 11. Nearly got a touchdown here. I don't know if this pass was tipped or the defender just flashed into the line of vision of Jaden Wally. But Mike Wright, those arguably his best pass of the ball game here, and uh, it bounces off the arms of Wally. Again, I don't know if it's just a matter of uh, if it's a drop or it was tipped or, you know, just because that guy flashed in, we just didn't see it. But, you know, we should have scored here. Absolutely should have. We attempt a 46-yarder, and it's not—it's no good. So we get nothing on the drive. But again, you know, third possession, you know, we're up and moving. And we should have scored here. We should have gotten seven. It should be a 21 at the ball game right now. It should be. But it's not. It's 10 nothing, And that's what happens when you let inferior opponents hang around. All of a sudden, you get what you don't want. All right, first and 10 at their 28. Uh, Zaheer runs up the middle for four. They go back as they're here for a one-yard game, brings up a third and five chance for us to get off the field here. Uh, Salapak swings it out to Zaheer. Great job here by John Lewis, who absolutely blows his play up. Bulldogs got some pressure here, uh, kind of forced the quarterback to retreat. And uh, just, I mean, outside of us missing a tackle here, they're not going to get anything, and they don't. Uh, makes it fourth and nine, and then there's a false start on the play. They punt it away. Zavion returns it for 11. I thought Zavion a uh, pretty good job as a return guy on the day. So, again, defensively, you know, you're playing well. Again, at this point, you're thinking, you know what, offense will get going, we'll be fine. Well, this is probably our worst drive of the, of the half, and it's, again, because of our own mistakes. We get it out to Harmon for three, which makes it second and seven, and then there's a false start, and that just can't happen. Now it's second, 12, we're behind the chains. We run Woody off the right side for just two, makes it third and 10. We try to find Freddie Roberson. There really wasn't much hope of this prompt, this pass being completed. Uh, it is broken up there, uh, so we'll credit him with a PBU. But uh, a three and out for your Bulldog offense. You know, the first drive of the day you look at and say, you know what, this is just not, not what we expected it to be uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But there you go. I mean, not, they're all not going to be winners. Uh, 40-yard punts, fair caught at the 15-yard line. All right, Western Michigan takes over here. And, again, defense doing their part here. First and 10 from their 15. Uh, Salapak completes it to the right side to Zaheer. He runs for four. They call it back for a hold. That makes it first and 17. Salapak that is incomplete on the right side. Deontay Anderson uh, breaks that pass up. On second and 17, Salapak goes short to Zaheer for a two-yard loss. Or negative, 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 negative. Three consecutive negative plays here. Uh, brings it third and 19. Salapak is flushed. We're in cloud coverage here, which means we've got way more people uh, back in coverage than they can run away from. 
and uh, he gains 10 yards on the play. They get a 47-yard punt, and then Xavier returns it again for 10. State sets up at the 47. Again, another great, you know, playing the field position game. Works out well for us. First and 10 out there, midfield for the third time. All right, we run Woody off left side for two. Then uh, Woody swings it right side for Woody for 11. And uh, pretty well blocked block play there. First and 10 now in plus territory at the uh, Western Michigan 40. We take a shot here to Jordan Mosley, and there is a P.I. called, and it was an obvious call. Now it's first and 10 at their 29. And then uh, here, what do we do? We make life harder on ourselves again. It's a false start, another pre-snap penalty. Just can't happen. You got a veteran group up front. We just can't do it. Just can't do it. Now it's first and 15. We run Woody off left side. Second and 13. Uh, we complete the Davis for just a one-yard game. Brings up a third and 12. And give Will Rogers some credit here and Xavion Thomas. Uh, really good, really good throw. Really good catch. Ends up being a 15-yard connection to move the chains. So despite our own ineptitude here for three plays. And I'm not going to be too hard on the offense, but this this is one of those plays that I think in many respects people undervalue a little bit. It was a significant play in the ballgame after two uh, drives that ended with no points. But we extend the drive here. Rather than having a 10th long field goal, the drive continues. And what do you know? We run a little switch route uh, combo concept out there and, and get Creed wide open, uh, lay it up there. It's touchdown, 16 yards, and uh, good to see Creed back. Extra point is good. Now it's 17-0, and everybody's like, okay, we're, we're good. We're good. We are good. Well, then all of a sudden, they make a quarterback change. And again, 21 plays for 52 yards. And officially, 21 minutes and 57 seconds of game action. Or excuse me, more than that, 25. I mean, that's how well the defense played throughout the first half. And then all of a sudden, they make a quarterback change, bring in Hayden Wolf, who has not been used much at all. And, and I th- it appears that we were underprepared, that we didn't expect to see him because they played basically two quarterbacks the entire year, and Wolf just hadn't played much. I can't explain why he hadn't played. But he got in the game and changed the game. That's the adjustment. You change quarterbacks, and uh, next thing you know, it's a ball game. All right, so you take over at their 25. Thanks again to Nick. Incomplete. On first down, second and 10, they run the middle for nothing. Third and 10, okay, let's get off the field here, guys. Again, defense played well, but here, a third and 10 play, let's just get off the field. Instead, they make a completion here, move the chains. First and 10 now at their 35, it's, uh, it's complete left for seven. Second and three, they run it here for two, brings up a third and one play here. And it's incomplete. John Lewis in the face of the quarterback there. Fourth and one, they they decide to go. And who can blame them? And they run for seven yards. First down. First and ten, Wolf complete then to Kenneth Wolback for nine, makes it second one. Incomplete, they took a shot there. John Lewis in his face. Brings up a third and one, and uh, we get flagged for P.I. here. 15 yards now from the 40 to our 25. Hayden Wolf then rushes left for nine. It's incomplete to Zaheer and uh, makes it a third and one play. They give it to Zaheer who gets two. Again, moving the chains. You got to get off the field and get that third and 10 looming large here. First and 10, the complete short left. 
brings up for four, brings up a second and six, and uh, next thing you know, Austin Hans touchdown. Now, all of a sudden, extra point makes it uh, 17-7. Under a minute to play, you're thinking, okay, let's just get into the half. But we, we can't do that. Can't do it. Second consecutive week. You know, almost allow these guys to put up two, two scores in the final minute of the half. Alabama found their first real separation in the game against us by something similar happened. This time, uh, Simeon Price, who was returning kicks in place of Tulu Griffin, who was suspended for the first half. Price returns at 28 yards, puts it on the ground, and uh, now they have it at our 48 with 44 seconds to go. Not much really doing on this drive, and it, it ended good for us, but it shouldn't have ever happened. But uh, they had the one big completion for 17 yards down to our 31. We get a sack there from Buki Watson, which was huge. Huge swing in momentum there. They call timeout. Incom- it's, excuse me. It's complete to hands for 14. Made it a third and one play. They take a shot here. And why not? You're already in field goal range. Take a shot here. You don't have much time left. They lay it up there, and it's incomplete. Fourth and one. We call timeout. Make sure we're good. They attempt a field goal. It is no good. So we get into the half 17-7. And it was like you look up, and it's like, again, before a wolf comes into the ball game. We're pretty much dominating on both sides of the line, even though we didn't put the ball in the end zone with the regularity we should have. But defensively, you played pretty good. All of a sudden, they make a quarterback change, and we're up 10 at the break. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, It's easy to install. 
You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. All right, getting to the second half. Mississippi State, of course, uh, receiving the kick here in the second half. And they did what, what you expect. We did this last week, too. First drive of the second half, we go right down the field and scored against Alabama. Why can't we do it against Western Michigan? We do. All right, riders in the game. Seth Davis runs at the middle for eight. And then uh, short right completion to uh uh, Tulu Griffin for 14, his first action. Uh, first and 10, we're incomplete to Freddie Robertson, took a shot there. On second and 10, we go back to Tulu, who gets 29 inside the 10-yard line. First and 10, Seth Davis runs off the right side for none, and then up the middle for seven, which brings up a third and three, and then Mike Wright rushes in for the score. Extra point is good. It's now 24 to seven. And now you're thinking, okay, all right, now we can finally relax. Hey, let's get a big stop from the defense, get on the score, put this game away. That's what we wanted, not what we got. Hayden Wolf, we'll see him in our dreams, our nightmares. Hayden Wolf complete across the middle to Womack for 16, makes it first and 10 at, our, at their 41, excuse me. They hit it down to Galloway for four, then decide to go to the ground game. And again, finding some success here. Not a lot of chunk plays in the ground game, but a, a lot of things to kind of shorten the down and distance here. On second and six, he gets five. Third and one, a chance for us to get off the field. We don't. They get three. Ellington on the tackle. First and ten now across midfield at our 47. They swing it out to Zaheer for a short gain. Again, Corey Ellington in space making a big tackle. All right, second and nine, uh, Hester runs the middle for four. Third and five, another chance to get off the field, and we, we, can't, we can't stop the intermediate passing game. We just we cannot lock up on the routes. Nine yards for the first down. First and ten, they go to Womack again for four. Just kind of dinking and dunking their way down the field at this point. Second and six, Hester runs at the middle for six. And the next thing you know, 
Blake Bozema is absolutely wide open in the middle of the field. How does that happen? It's not like it's a 10-yard curl. It's down the field. I mean, he just basically takes two steps. He's in the end zone. It's terrible. And so whatever halftime adjustments we made had clearly not taken root. And, again, you play so well defensively for about 25 minutes, and then here we are. Back-to-back drives led by Wolf. And, again, while some of our people are undervaluing him as a player, we made him look a lot better than he truly is. All right, they attempt an onside kick. Here we cover it. I'm not sure exactly what they were thinking. If you're thinking, you know what, hey, we can't stop these guys anyway without them making a mistake. Let's just give our special teams a chance. All right, State takes over at the 49-yard line. Again, another midfield, you know, short field for us, for sure. All right, Mike Wright in at quarterback, and uh, we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley, but it's a P.I., so it's now uh, first and 10 at their 36. We give it to Kevon Lee, and uh, he's a guy we signed hoping he would kind of take the Dylan Johnson role. He hasn't. Granted, the scheme is much different. We want to feature Woody as our back. Big chunk play here. 33 yards. Really ran with some conviction, too. Very impressive what we saw there. Uh, we run Tulu on the little jet sweep puff pass deal. He's into the end zone. But guess what? Face mask called against Malik Ellis. So that backs us up. Now it's first and 18. And again, these guys can't stop us without our help. But we offered them plenty of help. Fortunately, we're able to put this drive in the end zone. All right, first and 18. Kevon runs off right side for nothing. Mike Wright then runs for eight. Wright is an incomplete to Kevon Lee. Fourth and ten. Uh, we kick the field goal here. And uh, it's good. However, there is roughing the kicker. And uh, Kyle Ferry did not return. I'm told it's not serious. It was just precautionary. They put him in a boot and he'll be good to go for Arkansas. Uh, of course, you never know with these things. I mean, that's what people say. You know, a lot of people give you those things that are kind of self-serving. And uh, we'll talk more about some injuries later in the show. Uh, but because of the roughing the kicker penalty, we accept it, take the field goal off the board, and we go first and goal from the five, uh, give it to Seth Davis, who trots in for the touchdown. Extra point is good from Nick Barmira. And now it's a 31-14 game. And again, now you're thinking, okay, finally, finally. No, 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 you're wrong. And I was wrong too. Uh, another great touchback. First and 10, Hayden Wolf's complete to Womack for six. He gives it to Hester on second and four, who gets three. Third and one, chance for us to get off play. Chance for us to get off the field here. All right, so they run the football, and they get nothing. And um, I guess initially they ruled that he had it. Yeah, they, they initially ruled that he had it. Corey Ellington makes a tackle, but his knee was down short line to gain. And then here is our, our great nine-man defensive effort here. It's fourth and one. And, again, you haven't been able to stop in the last two drives. I know it's early in the ballgame. You're at 17 points. It's worth a timeout if you don't see the right personnel on the field. However, it's fourth and one. They give it to Hester. He, gets, he breaks contain. And, uh, I mean, it's a very, 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 you know, dicey proposition trying to defend 11 with nine but we gave it a go it didn't work out for us 29 yards off the right side that was a huge play in the ball game I mean it really was you get out the field here and you could put it in the end zone they probably quit I mean honestly but instead we help them now first and 10 Hester runs at the middle for three they go back to him for no game brings up third and seven again chance to get off the field but instead it's complete to Kenneth Womack for 14 yards Bryce Pollock they're on the coverage. 
Uh, first and 10, now from our 20. Uh, they get it out to Womack. Don Terry hustling down the field, makes a tackle. Second one, uh, Zaheer back in the ballgame, runs off the right side for a touchdown. And at this point, our fans, the, those the braved, uh, you know, <laughs> the early start and the malaise that currently exists in the fan base, were very upset at this point. As I was, I'm start thinking, you know what, we're not, we're not going to get the cover. I just want to get out of here with a win. That's how it felt. Momentum clearly had shifted, and then, you know, their defense kind of fed off of that a little bit. Uh, we get the kickoff returned. Uh, it's, uh, I guess it's a fair catch deal. You know, they're just kicking it short. First and 10 now from our 30. Will Rodgers is, uh, is complete to Seth Davis for a one-yard loss. Second, 11. Davis runs off left side for five, brings up a third and six. We're incomplete to Antonio Harmon. So three and out. And right now, if you're Western Michigan, you're thinking, you know what, hey, this is our chance. They hadn't been able to stop us. Right? This is our chance. Instead, um, you know, we, we get some things going here. Um, you know, but it's like you start looking at this thing. If I'm Western Michigan, as bad as we've gotten down, we're down 17 nothing, could do nothing. But all of a sudden, we got the magic man, Hayden Wolf, in a ball game. And Mississippi State has no answer. All right, first and 10 now uh, from our 24. It's complete to Womack for six. Second and four, they go to Galloway for five. And uh, that's the first down. First and 10, they complete to Galloway for eight. And again, that's what we're not winning on first down. First and 10 now, they find him for eight. And again, now it's second and two. They find, go back to Womack for eight, first and ten. They give it to uh, Zahir for a one-yard gain, go back to him for three. That runs out the third quarter. It's 31-21 with Western Michigan on the move. But the good thing is Bulldogs make a play here. Third and six, they decide to run off left side, and the ball was actually fumbled. Uh, but, you know, no gain on the play. We didn't get it. Zahir jumps on it, makes it a fourth and two play. Uh, they decide to take a chance here. Take a shot down the field, and uh, Eric Taylor getting in, kind of forcing the throw a little bit early. It's incomplete. So we get out the field. Defense makes a play here. After it appeared that um, we had lost all momentum. And, again, this should have been the dagger right here. Should have been. Should have been. But it wasn't. Uh, State takes over at our 41. Again, a great field position for the Bulldogs. First and 10. We find Tulu for three. We go to Kevon Lee, who rushes for 17. Really, really happy to have him, especially, you know, Woody got banged up in the ballgame, was twisted down by the leg. Uh, we don't know the severity of the injury at this point, but the, the good thing is we do have some capable backs behind him, maybe not as talented, but guys that can get the job done. Uh, Lee with 17 yards here. Now it's first and 10 at their 39, and it just felt like, okay, we're fixing to finally put this thing away. Second and 10. Will Rogers uh, rushes at the middle for three yards uh, to their 36. Third and seven. This is the, probably the play of the ball game. Uh, you, you take a shot and you need your receiver to go make a play. You know, you throw it up for grabs and you hope your guy comes down with it, and he does. Freddie Roberson, great body control, elevates, picks it out of the air. One step later, he's in the end zone. Uh, and a very electric play. And, again, kind of a coming-out party for Freddie Robertson. Happy to see it. Now, first and 10 uh, – excuse me, extra point is good. Makes it 38-21. So, now we're up three scores. 
with about 12 minutes to go when you're thinking this is, you know, at least the offense is probably going to be able to score enough points to win the game. Western Michigan takes over their 25 again. Thanks, Nick. Uh, so it's incomplete, but there is a personal foul on Deontay Anderson. So, again, here we have the, the juice back. What's left of the crowd is into the game. It is a, it is a semi-electric atmosphere. As people are smelling victory, and we do something silly here. You know, it's going to be second and ten, but instead it's first and ten at their 40. They make a completion across the middle to Austin Hintz for 27. On the move again, first and ten from our 33. They hit it out to Womack for six. Again, not winning on first down, second and four. It's incomplete. Nice play by DeCarlos here. Buki Watson in the face of the quarterback here. Makes it a third and four. They run off left side for two. Another fourth down play, and they go for it and make it. Just take a shot here. Because, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, what do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? We've had some success on fourth down. Uh, you know, maybe not early in the ball game, but uh, now that we've established the running game a little bit, they're going to sell out. We'll get man coverage. So we just throw it up there, and uh, it's a touchdown. Extra points good. Now it's 38-28, and, again, you can't be comfortable. Another short kick, fair call by Deontay Anderson at our 30. And uh, this is when things got a little bit dicey, right? You're up 10 with 11 minutes to go. And defense hadn't had a lot of answers in the second half. So we go off to Seth Davis for four. Second and six, we get it out to Jaden Wiley for 19. Again, a chance for us to kind of put this thing over. But we don't. First and 10, incomplete to Xavion. Second and 10. Uh, we get it out to Harmon for just three yards, made it a third and seven play, and then uh, Will Rogers takes off and runs here. And it made me think maybe this was four down territory. Maybe. Kind of we went empty here, ran the quarterback draw. I think that's Will's call. Then there's a hold on Dollar Bill Johnson and makes it third and 17. Will Rogers then um, swings it out to Freddie, who gets seven. It's at their 47. We punt. And right here you're thinking, if they score here, they're going to win the game. I know they're still down 10, but you've been around as long as I've been. You think, you know what, this is what's going to happen. They're going to score, and then we're going to do something silly. We're going to you know, have miss a, uh, a block on a, on a kick return or something and get blown up and fumble. It, it just it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in many respects. That's how it feels. Our first and 10 at their 14, Hayden Wolf runs off right side, four-yard loss here, and it's fumbled out of bounds. That would have been a huge play, right? You talk about looking for the dagger. We could have put it in there. Second and 14, it's complete to Leroy Thomas. Third and six, it's a complete left side for just three, makes it fourth and three. Uh, they elect to uh, punt here. I, I don't know that I would have. I understand there's eight minutes to go in the game. But uh, on fourth and three, surely you got a trick play or something. I mean, because, it, it, listen, does it matter how much you lose by – I mean, you lose, you lose. But, you know, you just might win. All right, we take over at our 43 again. Great field position for the Bulldogs, 619 to go. Kevon Lee rushes right side for two. Mike Wright in the ball game now in place of Will Rogers. Will had gone to the locker room, came back out in uh, no pads, no sling, no ice that we were we saw. Uh, second and eight were complete to Tuli for 19. Makes it first and 10 at our 36. Excuse me, their 36. We find Whittemore for four. Makes it second and six. Whittemore then runs right for four. 
They burn a timeout here, third and two. Uh, we give it to Kevon, three-yard loss here. We got to be better on short yardage against a uh, team from the MAC. I mean, just it is what it is. Without Woody, you see what you get, right? Nothing against Kevon, but in that situation, normally on third until you go to Woody, who has much better vision than most of the backs on the team. Fourth and five, they burn a timeout. We kick field goal. Still a two-score game, but it's uh, it's 41-28, and they're thinking, hey, if we can score and then get a turnover, we got a shot here. Defense steps up, makes a play here. Pretty much ends the game here. First and 10 from their 25. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Hayden Wolf is complete to Womack for nine. Again, we're not winning on first down defense. Second one, it's complete, but no gain. DeCamrion Richardson, nice tackle there. Really blew that play up. Third and one, uh, Hayden Wolf is complete to Womack for 12. However, they're holding, which is cheating. That is impermissible in college football. On third and 11, Wolf takes a shot here, and then Sean Preston reads it all the way, bats the ball up, and then intercepts it laying on his back. Great play by Sean. And uh, I saw some people that were very critical of Sean for getting up dancing around. Uh, I think that's silly, right? You're like, oh, he shouldn't dance. Guys, it's a young guy playing a ball game that just made a big play that essentially ices the game. We're going we're gonna to let him celebrate. We're going to let him celebrate. You know, he's not running for mayor. All right, State takes over now with 3.04 to go. Seth Davis runs at the middle for 25. I'm thinking right here, let's put the ball in the end zone just so we can, you know, get out of here and feel good. I also understand, too, if we'd have gone for it late, we may have got somebody hurt. Uh, Seth Davison runs at the middle for four, go back to him for four. Now it's third and two at the six, and then Davis is trying to get in, runs for three, converts the first down, and then we don't snap it again. So we win 41-28. Some things to feel good about, some things to be concerned about. Let's take a look at the uh, the numbers here. You probably hadn't uh, had looked for yourself. A state with 25 first downs in the game. So state you know, more first downs than them, 25-21. Uh, we run for 200 yards in the game. They ran for 130. They outpassed us 297 to 246. Total offense, State 440. There's 413. Uh, giving up 400 yards to a MAC team, a bad MAC team, is not anything that we're going to feel good about ever. They fumbled the football twice. We didn't get either of them. We fumbled it once. They got it. Uh, punting, uh, 46 yards a punt for them, just 38.3 for us, and some of that's because we had the short field. Uh, kickoffs for them, uh, three for 115, zero touchbacks. And, again, I was correct, Nick Barmira, eight kickoffs, all eight touchbacks. That's a weapon. That's a weapon. So no return yards for them. We have uh, four for 48. Of course, the, the longest one was 28 yards and uh, ultimately led the fumble. Time possession state wins 31, 22 to 28, 38. They were 5 of 17 on third down was Western Michigan. Felt like it was more than that. Uh, 6 of 13 for us. They were 3 of 6 on fourth down and then 2 and 2 in the red zone chances. State 5 of 6, of course, the missed field goal. Uh, the one thing that we, you know, was an issue. And we talked about that uh, on the show last week, how bad Western Michigan has been in red zone defense. And uh, your Bulldogs able to exploit some of that. Uh, no sacks for them, two for us for 10. I believe Bookie Watson made them both. We'll confirm that. Uh, and everybody converts on the PATs. All right, looking at individual numbers here, 
Uh, Hayden Wolf, 27 of 35. Now, some of that's because he's got experience, and some of that's because of the fact that Mississippi State has struggles in the secondary to, to cover people. Three touchdowns and a pick, and, of course, that's the last play of the game. He was sacked uh, once. Uh, Jack Selipak, 6 of 10 for 35 yards, uh, the long of 28. So five other completions for a net seven. You can see why they wanted to make a change. Uh, Will Rogers, 16 of 22 for 189 yards and three touchdowns. Mike Wright, 7 of 10, 57 yards. Depth of target with Mike is going to be different. Like a lot of people, and you, and you saw this, Mike is an extremely talented athlete, doesn't have the biggest arm, uh, especially against SEC secondaries. You're not going to really push the ball down the field as much with him. And the truth of the matter is we just kind of really need him to be good in the intermediate passing game to kind of hold people accountable. You know, we're not going to be a big play offense unless it's in a run game more times than not with Mike in the ball game. But, again, the third of Jaden Wally was, was a big one. Uh, 29 is the long there, so you back that out there. Uh, you start doing the math yourself. That's six other completions for 28 yards. Uh, uh, Zahir rushed for 60 yards on 18 carries. Hester has eight for 47. Uh, Mississippi State Seth Davis leads the Bulldogs with 10 carries for 65 yards. Kevon Lee, five for 49. Woody Marks, eight for 38. Mike Wright, seven for 24. And Simeon Price, one for 11. Did not have a carry after uh, his early carry in the first quarter. Creed Whittemore, one for four. Riders, one for three. Uh, receiving numbers leading the Bulldogs was Freddie Roberson, five for 68 and a touchdown. Tula Griffin and a half. Uh, four catches for 65. Jaden Wally, two for 34. Uh, Kenneth Womack, the leading receiver for Western Michigan, uh, 12 receptions for 113 yards. Blake Bozeman, the guy that had the big touchdown, the only catch. The only catch he made. And uh, we talked about Sambucha earlier, and uh, it was just not a factor in the game. One catch for two yards. Uh, defensively, uh, let's see here for Bulldogs. DeCamerion Richardson led the team with nine tackles. Corey Owenton also had nine. Buki Watson with nine. So uh, three very productive tackles there in all uh, secondary levels of the defense. Don Terry Russell uh, getting another start, seven tackles. Probably need to have him on the field. Jed Johnson with seven. Sean Preston with six. Marcus Banks with five. Bryce Pollock with five. Uh, John Lewis with five, Deontay Anderson with five. So, you know, you're seeing some newer names and some younger players uh, get out there and make some plays. But, um, you know, we are struggling significantly in the secondary. When you can't get home with the pass rush, it exposes your coverage. And uh, we did have some quarterback hurries as a team in the ballgame. Uh, we had seven, seven hurries. So we did impact the quarterback from a pass rushing standpoint. We got to cover better on the back end. I think everybody sees it the same way. Uh, we'll take the dub, but we're not going to sit here and, and uh, celebrate the win. I mean, we're always happy. So we'll, we'll obviously take the win over the loss. But the significant part of this is the fact that uh, Bulldogs won without really playing well in every facet. There were times, again, the defense was good. There were times the defense was really bad. There were times the offense was really good. There were other times they were kind of mediocre. But, again, uh, seven scoring drives and 12 possessions, you know, we'll take that, not to mention two other ones should have been scoring drives. Uh, you got to finish. So I thought it was a step forward for the offense, especially with the fact that you didn't have uh, Woody Marks available much of the second half. Uh, you didn't have Jeffrey Pippen available. And so good job by our young backs to step up there. Uh, so some positives there. But uh, you know, defensively, things are just simply a mess. And uh, I don't fully appreciate and understand kind of what's happening there. And that's the job that we're, these coaches have got to figure out.
we got to do a better job. Got a first-year head coach and a first-year defense coordinator. But you got a bunch of veteran players back. It shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be like this. It just simply shouldn't be like it is. Uh, but again, we'll take the win and enjoy the open date. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. A lot of people in the mortgage business. He's been doing it 22 years. There's no point in entrusting your mortgage to anybody else. It's too important. It's a guy that knows how to get things done, for sure. Uh, Blair recently made a change. You know, that's what happens when you're winners, right? When, uh, when you're a guy that gets things done, you're in demand. And uh, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, people that make things happen tend to have good things happen for them. He's now with Priority One Mortgage. That has not changed his cell number, though. Give him a call at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Back-to-back-to-back close ratio in the top 1% nationally. If you're looking to buy a home, looking to refinance your home, whatever you're looking to do, look no further than Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. Again, 601-500-2344. All right. It's an open date as I make a mess here. Sorry about that. Always a little drama here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, open date. So we're going to do a top 10 about, uh, the open date. You know, we're not going to do some silly article. We make up some fake press conference, you know, the open date coach going to use the same old coach speak. And, you know, these guys do a great job. They cover well and you're big, you know, it's the same old things, but, um, nevertheless, we're going to celebrate the open date and we're going to celebrate the fact that, um, we get a little bit of a rest here. And uh, we're going to spend some time in Tennessee, the bride uh, running a race up there. So I've got a shirt made when she was in New Mexico, because you remember how pitiful I was. I got a shirt made, uh, my favorite running picture of her. I got it made on a shirt. And uh, I thought about that. You know, uh, I have had all these uh, jerseys over the years. I don't wear them very often, but I've had a bunch of jerseys. Um, and so she's my favorite athlete. So I had a shirt made with her name on it. I'll get to debut it this week at the race because I'm cheering for her. But since it's an open date, I thought let's do uh, top 10 songs about open, you know, or open in the title. Now, this is a very um, eclectic list, I'll say. There's a lot of different genres involved in our list today. Some great tracks, some good rock stuff especially. Uh, some pop stuff, some country stuff. I think you'll dig it. So in honor of the open date, here are our top 10 songs with open in the title. We're going to start with number 10, a band that I saw at Bon Fett in Baton Rouge years ago with my buddy Seth McRae. Great band called Tonic. Love those guys, man. I do. They've got a handful of bangers, man. And maybe you hadn't listened to Tonic in a while. But you're going to get your chance on today's list. Number 10 is Open Up Your Eyes from Tonic. Of course, we had you know, a good run there with uh, If You Could Only See, Casual Affair. Great tunes from Tonic. But Open Up Your Eyes, number 10 on your list today from the great rock band Tonic. Number 9, a young lady that really kind of came to prominence due to social media. An angelic voice. 
and uh, writes much of her own music. I mean, I guess in many respects, maybe she doesn't have the backing that Taylor Swift does. But uh, I do appreciate people that can write, sing, and perform their own music. And uh, Colby Calais is one of those. We're going to go with a bit of a deeper track from her. It's a track called Wide Open, and it's about relationships. It's like, you know what? Hey, I'm committed to this relationship. I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. I'm going to give my heart to you. I'm going to be wide open for the possibilities. Great, great track. And again, Colby Calais, an incredible singer. Incredible singer. Number eight, going back to um, my teenage years when Madonna, in many respects, many people considered her you know, the biggest uh, female pop star in the world. And there's little to argue against that with. She had uh, this great track. And it was really more about the video because she was uh, she was a burlesque dancer, like at a peep show or whatever, you know, because that's what Bonata did. Uh, she was very provocative. But it's a great track called Open Your Heart. Open Your Heart to Me. You know, she had blonde hair then. She did the Blonde Ambition Tour and all that kind of stuff. So there's Madonna in her prime at number eight. Number seven, one of my favorite tracks from a band that I don't think gets enough appreciation. A lot of people consider them a one-hit wonder. Those people are incorrect, even though uh, Cult of Personality is probably the signature song. You know, we get a chance to hear that at Duty Noble Field from time to time. But Living Color's Open Letter to a Landlord. Uh, this is a song really about uh, your poverty in America. And Vernon uh, Reed absolutely kills it the guitar player for uh, for Living Color. And that's a guy, too, that uh, he's kind of a guitar player's guitar player. Like if you ever, you know, back when we used to read Hit Parader magazine and all that kind of stuff, and I had a subscription to Guitar Magazine, the best thing about being a subscriber to guitar is uh, you got the tabs, right? They would send you a couple big songs, one like a classic song and then more a contemporary song. And so you'd have all the tabs and um, enjoyed having those and uh, never played them with any real level of proficiency, but it was nice to have them. I could kind of figure some things out. Uh, but yeah, so, but Vernon Reed was always like mentioned by the greats in metal at the time. All right, number six, a band that uh, we've done a top 10 list on these guys before, and I don't know that uh, they get enough credit either. A lot of people consider them a one-hit wonder, and uh, there, there's even less evidence to support that than there is for Living Color. It's uh, Europe. You say, oh, yeah, those are the guys that sing the final countdown. Yeah, that's right. And Cherokee and Rock the Night and Carrie and uh, Superstitious and on and on and on. Uh, Europe, before they broke in America, sold millions of records worldwide. And the next thing you know, uh, I guess it was On Through the Night. I don't know. Maybe that's not right. But I guess it was the final countdown album. Uh, really kind of broke them in the States. Uh, but great, 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 great band. But uh, we're going to go with Open Your Heart, not a cover of the Madonna track. It's one of their very own. Uh, great song. And uh, Joey Tempest was an incredible singer. Didn't have the grit and maybe the blue collar, uh, you know, gravel that other people did in his voice. But uh, a guy that could really, really push it. Joey Tempest from Europe. Uh, number five, they've changed their name. They've also run afoul of a lot of their fan base due to some of their political views. I remember uh, them being hypercritical of George W. Bush and uh, uh, the conservative right really kind of turned on the Dixie Chicks. I think they just call themselves the Chicks now. Uh, but they were Dixie Chicks when they recorded the great track Wide Open Spaces, which um, you know, a lot of people really identified with. And, uh, yeah. I like chicks. 
right? Many of you do as well. But wide open spaces from Dixie Chicks. All right, number four, God rest his soul. It's Tom Petty, Into the Great Wide Open. What a great track. I mean, Tom Petty, man. I mean, it's like we lost him too young. We did. But, man, what some great tunes he gave us before he uh, departed. But, uh, again, we lose Tom much sooner than we probably should have. But Into the Great Wide Open, great track. And, again, Tom Petty was a bit of a mainstay on MTV. I mean, there were a lot of people that – Maybe we're better looking. Maybe they were more extravagant in what they did with these videos. But uh, Tom just kind of got out there and played the rock and roll song, but uh, had some really good people around him that did some pretty provocative videos. But uh, end of the great wide open from Tom. Number three, if I could dedicate a, a song to the Mississippi State fan base, this would be it. This would be it. One of my favorite bands of all time, and this was the very first time that I heard Miles Kennedy sing. It's the debut single off the debut album from Alter Bridge that rose from the ashes of Creed. And you're going to have two Mark Tremonti songs on this list today. But it's Open Your Eyes from uh, the debut album. What is it? Uh, One Day Remains? But nevertheless, a lot of these songs were kind of ridden with Scott Stapp in mind. They fire Scott. They change the name of the band. Rather than bringing Miles in and just calling the band Creed, they changed to Alter Bridge. But uh, open your eyes. It's like, again, there's so much division at times. And whether it be the Mississippi stand base or the American public, we are one people having the same experience. We just kind of interpret things differently. Uh, but uh, I think unity and loyalty uh, are... are paramount to success you know we're never going to get to where we want to be if we don't have a unified front but open your eyes i love that debut album i love everything alter bridge has done they've gotten a little more progressive in recent years and i will say i don't have the same emotional attachment uh, to the newer stuff Uh, but i I go back and i think about when this album dropped kind of where i was in life i changed i'd left the furniture industry i was working in lending uh, business i was a multi-location manager. I was on the road a lot, driving my, took it a RAV4 around. And uh, this was kind of the soundtrack. And there, there's, I almost named uh, When the Bottom Falls, I almost named it down to my last just because of that great track on that album because I thought that was kind of uh, apropos, you know, for uh, somebody in recovery. Down to my last chance, down to my last drink, whatever. You know, it's a lot to it. Uh, but uh, I love that album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. I was recently asked on a show if I only got to listen to one album for the rest of my life, what would it be? And it would be Alter Bridge's second album, Blackbird. And he said, but Steve, you're a Molly guy. You're an 80s metal guy. It's true. But uh, you know, I love Alter Bridge. That song, uh, Blackbird, and of course, Watch Over You. There's just so many great tracks on that Blackbird album that really stand out to me. But uh, Alter Bridge and Miles Kennedy. Uh, love everything that Miles has done I have been a fan of even the year of the Tiger album was a, quite a departure from what he does with Alter Bridge but I, I did dig it because I think Miles Kennedy you could make a case is probably the best male rock vocalist in the country if perhaps the world number two we couldn't do this list without mentioning this song from Journey and it's number two and it may be the biggest hit uh, entitled with open in the title but we don't like to end the top 10 on a ballot. We don't, unless it's a power ballot list. But it's open arms from Journey. I remember when that song came out, I was just a kid. I remember going to Pizza Hut, 
and sitting there with that big uh, red plastic cup. You know how great it was? And they had the jukebox and Pizza Hut. You went there on Friday nights with your friends. And I remember being, uh, maybe it was Mazio's Pizza, I think about it. I remember being in, maybe it's Mazio's or Pizza either one uh, there in Ridgeland. And uh, this song was like played all the time. It's like you, you couldn't go eat pizza without hearing open arms from Journey. And uh, it's an incredible love song. One of the greatest love songs of my lifetime. Uh, it's, you know, we sailed on together but drifted apart. I mean, there's just so much of that that is so relatable to so many people. Um, and so now I come to you with open arms. It's great. I love this song. And uh, probably one of Steve Perry's shining moments as a vocalist. But number one. Number one. And yes, I promise you two Mark Tremonti songs. Here's your second one. It's Creed. With arms wide open, and an incredible song, and it came out right. It was like in '96, and uh, it was around the time Ani was just a young kid, and uh, you know we had gone through so much. Our first child was stillborn, and, and uh, we had Ani. I was just so incredibly grateful uh, to God for blessing Dana and I with a child. And uh, there's just so many parts of this. <clears throat> I get emotional thinking about this. You know, the, like the line about, uh, "I hope he's not like me." You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm a guy with many faults, even though I'm a much better person than I was <clears throat> years ago. But uh, this song means an awful lot to me. Uh, and it's one of these things, too, where, you know, you look at life and you look at the mistakes you've made and you hope that your children don't follow in your footsteps in that respect. Uh, and so I've been very transparent to my, with my kids about my own struggles. And, uh, you know, it's just like when we moved to Starkville, you know, I, I, one of the lessons that I wanted to teach my kids is that, you know, you're never too old to change your life. Ever. You're never too old to change your life. And, uh, you know, we're going through some of that again now. You know, like, uh, you know, Dana, you know, going to be transitioning out of travel nursing into, uh, into being a businesswoman, you know. And uh, we're at a place now with empty nesters where we don't, we're not quite as financially responsible for, for our children. I know some would suggest they never get off the payroll, but uh, mine do. They do. Uh, so I, I push that just because of the fact that uh, it gets so easy to get caught up in life and you begin to think, well, you know, this is it. You know, is, is there not more to life? And uh, I, let, let me be the first to, to tell you that there's not. There's not. You're not just going to wake up one day and everything just be gloriously changed for the better. I mean, usually when you get to my age, when you start experiencing change, more times than not, unless you're the person enacting that change, it's going to be negative. Right, because people begin to die. I mean, you lose your friends, right? I mean, businesses go out of business. You know, there's always stuff to that, you know. Uh, and so you've got to have some gumption in life, for sure. And uh, I think it's an important aspect of everything. Uh, you know, it's, it's just like the whole thing about uh, when you stop dreaming, boy, you know it's time to die. It's uh, the great Shannon Hoon that wrote that. you got to have dreams. And even in middle age and late life, you know, there all needs to be goals. And I, real quick before I transition uh, to the next segment of the show, uh, I went to a Franklin Covey planning class one time. And um, I've shared that with you guys before. It really changed my life. It did. Because I, I always I just tried to get by on being smart rather than being organized. And there are times I could still be more organized these days. But I remember Randy Kendrick. and I, I was like, when we sat down, we talked about my goals. You know, all of my goals involve my kids. You know, so, and he's like, what about you? What do you want to do? I said, well, you know, the, Ani's doing this and Audrey's doing this. And he goes, but, but what do you want to do? And I began to realize that I didn't have a life anymore. Right? I mean, I was still existing and I was still the guy that paid for everything, even though Dana worked. But you, know, you understand my point. It's like, 
I felt like my role was to finance everybody else's dreams and I quit having dreams of my own. And uh, that discussion kind of changed some things for me in many respects. Uh, and then, of course, I met Brad Wordley, and Brad was my life coach for a while, and, and that's one thing Brad talked about is people lead accidental lives. They, rather than us being the person to bring action, we just kind of react to how the world treats us. And, and I just didn't want to be that guy anymore. I was like, you know what, I, don't, I, don't, I want to be able to do some things. It's like you, I got old in my 30s. You know, because I began to say, you know what, what's well, over for me? You know, I'll just quit playing church league softball and, uh, you know, I'll just pay to watch everybody else play. And, and uh, I didn't have any goals. I didn't. I was just, my goal was just to make sure that everybody had, uh, you know, nice shoes and uh, good school clothes and everybody got to eat at night. We're able to, uh, you know, take a vacation every year. Those were goals. And, and those are just not sufficient. You have to have something of your own. And uh, fortunately, I've got, uh, you know, a bride that's very supportive of everything that I do. And so I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to challenge you, no matter how old you are, you need to have something for yourself. And I, I remember like it was yesterday, Randy Kendrick said that uh, one of his goals was uh, Randy coached like AAU volleyball. And he wanted to win a gold medal as a coach, as an AAU volleyball coach. And Randy didn't even have a kid on the team. And so that was like his thing outside of work, you know. And I remember him telling me, he said, Steve, you know, if, if your whole objective in life is just to work and pay bills, then uh, you've already achieved that. You've got nothing left to accomplish in life. And that really hit home with me. And so I just challenge you, have something for yourself. And that's not to say that, not to be selfish. It's not to, at, at the expense of your family or your kids or your marriage or whatever. But you need to have a goal for yourself, whether it be to, you know, to write a book or, you know, you know, take a trip or, you know, like, you know, one of Dana's big goals is to complete a hundred mile race and you know, to be able to complete the hundred miler. And, and I'm very supportive of that because it's remained very elusive for her. And next year she'll have a chance to run the Barkley uh, Fall Classic again. We didn't run it this year, but uh, she'll have a chance to, uh, to complete that one. And so it, it's good to have, as a couple, ha have an individual goal that is a shared experience, right? So I'm, you know, I'm her crew. Right. And so I take that very seriously. I want her to have a chance to cross that finish line. She's had a handful of DNFs at the Barkley Fall Classic. And so it's just important. And so, again, I belabored this point longer than I wanted to. But I, again, I just I want you guys to be happy people. And uh, and maybe our path to happiness is different. <clears throat> but I know for me, if I had laid in my deathbed, having never written a book, my life would have been unfulfilled. I would not have fulfilled basically a manifest destiny in my life. That's what I was called to do. That was what, you know, God gave me the ability to write. And if I had never written a book, that I would feel like that my life in many respects was a failure. And so now I've written six. And, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to write at least, you know, a few more. You know, we'll see where life takes me, you know. But when you get the bug, you get the bug. I like meeting all you guys and, uh, and gals and, and being able to shake hands and, and, um, and do something of value to you. And I've had so many people that have told me, you know, I've got my Steve Robertson section in the house. I've got every book that you've ever written. And uh, it means an awful lot to me to be able to people find value in the work, but also, too, to bring happiness to other people. So while my goal was to write a book and ultimately turn into six, I think that I brought some happiness into the lives of other people. And so I think we've all benefited from that. So there you go. The top 10 list is always brought to you by Close of Blair. Com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you're unfamiliar with Campus Bookmart, it's your own fault. 
You need to be a raving fan of Campus Bookmark because when you need Mississippi State merchandise, when you need things to get going for you, when you need to outfit your family, your home, uh, whatever it is you're trying to do, your pet, maybe you need like a, maybe you you know you've got some friends that have uh, you know lap dogs and poodles and things like that, whatever you know whatever you're looking for, Miss Kathy Brown can get it for you. Uh, I love going in there. I love being able to peruse their fine selections and uh, incredibly too that uh, you know. They have the best selection of merchandise in and on universe as it comes to Mississippi State. Uh, if you can't make it to town or perhaps game day is a difficult shopping day for you, then visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal bone our listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping off all orders over 75 bucks, any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And you know, Mom, you're, you're going to be thinking about Christmas. It's already October 9th. See, Steve, don't remind me. I'm reminding you so you won't be stressed. You can enjoy the holiday season. Go ahead and start thinking about that Christmas today, and uh, you'll be glad you got free shipping. Everybody offers that during the holidays. Uh, for the Boneyard listener, Campus Bookmark does it year-round. How about that? All right, let's take a, a quick look back at the uh, Southeastern Conference Things, for the most part, went to script, for the most part. Uh, LSU beats Missouri 49-39. What has happened to LSU's defense? You know, we knew that secondary was shaky. We just couldn't exploit it because we couldn't protect, right? We couldn't you know, really challenge them down the field. But if you looked at this, I mean, honestly, if you like since they played us, they give up 31 to Arkansas. 55 to Ole Miss, and then 39 to Missouri. The LSU defense is broken. Now, they're going to host Auburn this weekend, and maybe things get a little bit better, but we'll see. You know, Auburn has kind of uh, struggled uh, you know, throwing the football themselves. But Missouri nearly pulls this thing off. You know, Missouri gets the, uh, you know, they get going in this ballgame, and in the end, LSU, as we expected, kind of out-athleted them. Missouri, of course, was undefeated. They had a packed house. And they jump up, what, 8 nothing. The next thing you know, it's 15-7 at the break. It's 25-17. And then from there, LSU really began to exert themselves and dominated the fourth quarter. The game ends on one of the worst beats of the season, if you're an SEC better. Missouri was going to lose, but they were going to cover more times than not, or more likely than not. And Brady Cook throws a pick six that LSU trots in. I believe the spread was six and a half. The, the final margin is 10. So bad beat if you picked Mizzou. LSU wins. Western Michigan, of course, uh, drops to Mississippi State 41 to 28. I think our long loss last week was, uh, at least straight up, was Alabama and A&M. I thought A&M might be able to get it done. And it's crazy we look at this thing with Alabama we keep saying it all all season long. We've all said it. It's not just me. We've all been saying, you know, this is it. You know, they're just not very good this year. I mean, you look at their numbers, and it's like, oh, you know, they lose to Texas, and they struggled against South Florida, who is terrible. You know, they struggled against Ole Miss, and then they finally kind of exerted themselves late. You know, they, they didn't look especially efficient on offense against Mississippi State, even though, uh, you know, they tacked on some field goals late to kind of put that game away. And then they didn't look especially explosive against A&M, but they took over in the second half. You know, A&M seemed to be in control of this football game at the break. I mean, you look up and you're like, yeah, the place is rocking. You know, it's 17 to 10. 
and A&M scores three points the rest of the game. The fourth quarter, there were five points scored, Alabama with that big safety. Big safety. Nearly a, a touchdown, right? Nearly. Max Johnson just got overwhelmed. That Alabama defensive front, uh, especially Dallas, just kind of really took over late. But uh, second half, all Crimson Tide. And again, we keep forecasting failure for Alabama. They just keep winning. I picked Alabama to win the West in the beginning of the year, but week to week, I keep thinking, no, there's no way they're going to win the West. There's no way they're going to win the West. And you look up now, and it's like, hey, they've already navigated through Ole Miss, who is a legit contender for the West. They've now taken down A&M, who was my third pick in the West. And you start working through the schedule, and you start thinking, you know, where are they going to trip up? And there's certainly a possibility there's not any of these games you look at and say, well, this is a definite loss for Alabama. You start, it sets up pretty well. The next three for Alabama are at home. Arkansas travels there this weekend, then Tennessee on the 21st, again, the third, Octo- the third Saturday in October. I'm so sick of that crap. And then LSU goes to Alabama on November 4th. So the, the road to Atlanta rolls through Tuscaloosa. Now, of course, the final conference games of the year, they're on the road at Kentucky, should be able to out-athlete them, and then at Auburn. And that could be, you know, who knows what that game will look like. But if Alabama can navigate through this three-game homestand, they're going to win the West. If they can get through that, mm. Vanderbilt and Florida. Pretty much went as expected. Again, I think Vanderbilt is done winning football games this year. I think Clark Lee and those guys are, are working exceptionally hard up there. They're just, they don't have enough talent to work with. And you start looking at this Vandy schedule, you know, he's like, oh, well, they lose to Florida. Hey, guys, they host Georgia this week. And then you got to go to Ole Miss. Then you get all, you host Auburn, you go to South Carolina, you go to Tennessee. And so where do you see a win? I mean, you, you you throw out the record books anytime Vanderbilt and Ole Miss get together. You do. I, I just think that Ole Miss defense has been better this year. And, of course, they, they listen, they're not great. But they were very opportunistic against Arkansas. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Vandy's got enough. But um, I don't see a win on the schedule left. And I'm sure they're thinking, you know what, we got a chance against Auburn, yeah, you know, I just don't – I don't see it. I think they're going to be out athlete the rest of the way. Vanderbilt's going to be um, winless in the SEC. Kentucky, of course, loses to Georgia. And Brandon Walker, our friend, he says it. He goes, we do this every year with Kentucky. And, of course, the Kentucky fans get salty. But he's absolutely correct. Every single – I don't know. I don't understand it. Like, we have no friends in the media. Kentucky has every one of them. I don't understand it. Every year, Kentucky this, Kentucky that – Kentucky's going to challenge. Kentucky's going to win the East. They're going to go to Atlanta. No, they're not. No, they're not. There is a better chance of Guns and Roses and a Pet Shop Boys touring together than there is a Kentucky getting to Atlanta. It's not going to happen. Especially now that you've got a resurgent Tennessee. South Carolina's getting better. You know, Kentucky profited really on when the fact that the East was down. When South Carolina and Tennessee were all mediocre, Florida was you know, kind of hit or miss, even though, they, listen, they've had some success against Florida. But my point being is that Kentucky is not for real. Now, they may come in here and absolutely, you know, knock us around in a few weeks. They may be the first time they've done it in, in Starville in forever. 
But I'm sick and tired of all the hype about Kentucky. I'm just sick of it. It's true. Now, when I go up there, I always have a nice time, football game withstanding. But Georgia made a statement at Kentucky's expense, 51-13. to This game was never in question at any point. I just don't think that uh, Stoops is a big game coach. You're like, oh, well, Kentucky was undefeated. Yeah, they were 5-1 and one, hadn't played anybody. They had played absolutely nobody. But it's, guys, it's 34-7 at the break, and Georgia just kind of took their foot off the gas. 51-13. You start running through this Kentucky schedule, and, uh, you know, again, I, I thought they would be, you know, be a bowl team for sure. But uh, you start running through this thing. Guys, they got Missouri this weekend coming to Lexington. And based on what you have seen from Missouri, look at how Missouri has played in big games and how Kentucky has played. Now, I'm not going to preview the pick today, but they got their hands full. The next week they get Tennessee in there. Then they come here, right? So two home games. This should be highly competitive. And then they come here. The next week they get Alabama and Lexington then travel to Columbia, and then to Louisville. It's possible they don't win another game. That's also possible they split those games and end up uh, being 8-4. and four. But when you start looking at this at this point, who would you say they are definitely going to beat? Now, some self-loathing Mississippi State fan will say, well, it's going to be us. You know, ha, ha, ha. There's no telling what kind of shape physically they're going to be in by the time they get here. And the same could be said for us. But when you start working through the schedule for Kentucky – you know, again, you, you played arguably the weakest non-conference schedule uh, in the conference with the exception of Louisville. And you start thinking now about Missouri. You know, what's Missouri going to look like this week? I mean, offensively, Eli's got those guys going. They do. I mean, the, the big win over Kansas State, you know, and then they uh, gave LSU all they wanted. They're not going to be scared to go into Lexington, and nor should they be. But, no, Kentucky, again – Really solid ball club, not a true contender in the SEC East. Again. And then, of course, Ole Miss, a little tougher time than I expected them to have with Arkansas. They get the big stop late. KJ with two really bad picks in that ball game. Um, but, yeah, Arkansas fought it pretty hard. But, man, it, everything seemed like a struggle for Arkansas. Of course, they, you know, they got off to a pretty good start. They had some third-down completions. They were running a lot of that, uh, you know, Short curl with a slot receiver against zone defense, just kind of sitting down, and K.J. was finding the guy. Uh, but the Arkansas defense did a pretty good job against Ole Miss. It did look like Jackson Dart was a little bit banged up. I thought Judkins read pretty well at times. But uh, nobody's talking about this Bentley kid, the one that transferred in, I guess it was from Navy. Uh, he has really had a good year for them, especially as not even being the primary back. But a big game against OSU, uh, nice game against Arkansas. But uh, Ole Miss doesn't cover, but they win. At the end of the day, that's what matters, right? You win in advance. But um, taking a quick peek ahead here at, uh, you know, kind of what there is to come uh, for this week, you know, of course, less games to watch because everybody's in conference play. But this week, Georgia travels to Vanderbilt, Arkansas is at Alabama, A&M at Tennessee, Florida at South Carolina, Auburn at LSU, and Missouri at Kentucky, and, of course, State and Ole Miss, both off this week. Now, looking ahead to our Arkansas, we'll find out soon – uh, game time, and, and maybe I can check that right now for you. No word yet, uh, but we'll find out today about the uh, <clears throat> Arkansas-Mississippi State kickoff time. There's only five games on the schedule that day, 
Well, man, it played at night. Uh, so it's that day. It's Tennessee and Alabama. You got to figure that's your two thirty CBS game, and you've got four games the rest of the day in the SEC. Ole Miss is at Auburn, and people would say that should be a night game. I probably agree, but when you begin to work through this, like as of late, ESPN has has made that eleven a.m. game be more than just a throwaway game because it's the first game. They're able to sell more ads for it. Somebody's going to play at 11 and going to get a ball game, a good ball game. Uh, Army and LSU, I know that uh, LSU would like to have that game at night, and maybe it ends up being at night. You know, ordinarily that would be your 3 o'clock in the afternoon game because you'd want to pair the worst game up against a CBS game. There's State in Arkansas and South Carolina, Missouri. Well, all those games mean something with the exception of Army and LSU. So I don't want to offer any uh, opinions here or predictions but I think there's a good chance we play at night. I'd rather play during. Uh, I'd rather play at 11, to be honest with you, because uh, Arkansas will likely be two and five, playing for their season. You play 11. It's going to be empty. People are already kind of bailing on a Sam Pittman bandwagon and getting excited about you know basketball. So I would. Lie, I think it's in state's best interest to play at 11, rather than give them the entire day and people say, oh, "Okay, I think I'll go to the ball game." Um, you know, you play at 11, that automatically rules out a lot of people that just aren't willing to make the trip. I'd love to play at 11, but I think it's probably going to be a night game. I don't want it to be. I want it to be 11. I do. I do. I know you don't like playing early. I like playing early, especially on the road. Um, and I know other people are like, you know, everything is sped up. I just think it's just such a difficult chore to get the home crowd up for an 11 a.m. game. I think Arkansas, you know, we're beat up. They're beat up. We'll get the benefit of an open date. They're going to play Alabama this week. And, again, they're going to be a 2-5 and five team. And so I think we have a chance to go in there. And, and again, we'll, we'll take a look at it next week. But that we'll find out today when we're playing. All right, final segment of the show. And uh, this is it, guys. This is auction week. Maybe you've known that. Maybe you haven't known that. Uh, you need to be able to kind of prepare yourself for this. Uh, you've always wanted to be a neighbor of mine. Let's just go ahead and call it for what it is. That, that's what you wanted. Well, now you have a chance to do it. And uh, there is an incredible parcel of land that is uh, being put up for auction. I've toured this property I have uh, had a chance to speak regularly with the owners of this property. And uh, you can, you know, get more information, you know, that I can offer you. But uh, it's International Auction LLC. International Auction LLC.com. Uh, so you're going to have a couple more opportunities to see it. Um, you can do it by appointment. The, the Sunday game day signings are, are, are over, showings are over. Uh, but Wednesday will get one more chance because the auction is going to take place on the 12th. It's going to be here before you know it. And a lot of people have said, well, you know, Steve, that's that's for people kind of beyond our budget. Well, the reserve for a couple of these properties is going to start at 4000 an acre. That's pretty significant right there. And so you're not priced out of the market. Now, of course, the, you know, not every you know, piece of property is going to go for that. But you need to get more information. And I'll tell you, what would be better than living this close to, to Davis Wade Stadium or Duty Noble Field or Humphrey Coliseum? Uh, it's butted up against the North Farms. You, you know, kind of have good neighbors, right? 
So whether you're looking for an investment property or, or looking to uh, to build a home out there, maybe it's your retirement home. Maybe it's like, you know what, Steve, I want to build like a maroon and white refuge out there for wayward Bulldog fans. You got a chance to do that. You got five lakes on this property. I love that Cypress Lake, man. It's it's unlike anything else around here, to be quite honest. It looks like something that was just like pulled out of the Knoxby Reserve and just like put in a forest. It's great. I love it. And uh, conveniently located just right there off 182, right there at the interchange in many respects of uh, 82 and 182. So very easy to kind of get out and get moving. International Auction LLC. Be sure and uh, check in with them. I've given the 800 number a few times. Let me give you the direct number. These folks are based out of Alabama. It's 256-439-1900. 256-439-1900. And uh, listen, you got to make a deposit, right? And they can give you all the information you need. Uh, if you want to bid on the whole parcel, of course, 25000 If you want to bid on an individual parcel, it's 10000 You get your deposit back if you don't win a bid, right? So if you're not the winning bidder, you're not out anything. And uh, a lot of people are going to show up, you know, there at Two Sterling Drive. We'll have the auction, but uh, you can do it online. You don't have to make the trip. And I would encourage you, call the folks at the International Auction and kind of get lined up to be an online bidder. You can handle everything from the comfort of your office or your home and uh, make Starkville your new place to live. It's amazing. I, I'm, I can't oversell the quality of this property, and I can't believe it's available this close to campus. I'm surprised the university hadn't just gobbled this up and, and made it farmland, but you can be that close to Mississippi State. All right, spent some time at Duty Noble Field yesterday. I love going out there for the fall baseball scrimmages. Last night was pretty cool. It's under the lights, we did, uh, we did the music and we did walkouts and things like that. Uh, the takeaway last night, Connor Isaac, man, a couple of tanks, and uh, one of them 114 miles an hour off the bat. He turned around a Nate Dome 94-mile-per-hour fastball in the inner half. That's really getting the bad head out. Uh, I, and that's the thing you start thinking about, too. Logan Kohler, another guy, too, starting to get the bat going. He had a big double uh, last night and then had one that nearly got poked out of center field. You start thinking about, okay, can these guys be double-digit home run guys? I think Connor Hyzak now is uh, tied for the team lead in home runs this fall. I think that's correct. Logan Kohler a little bit slower getting going, but the, the last couple of weeks he's been outstanding. And again, at third base, man, it's just it's an automatic deal, right? I mean, it just – and how long has it been since we've had that? I mean, really think back. Do we got to go as far back as Alex Detz? I mean, just to have a solid third baseman where it's not an adventure. Cam Jones uh, – excuse yeah, Cam, Cam James, excuse me, Cameron James – uh, was really good for us down the stretch his final year here. Of course, you know, he was a shortstop, moved to third, and kind of back and forth for a while. But as far as just having like that true bona fide third baseman to to work the hot corner and to not be, you know, an adventure over there, it's been a while since we've had that consistent performer. I mean, it really has been. In all due respect to everybody, I mean, you know, Gavin Collins, Marshall Gilbert were uh, – we're uh, catchers that made the move over there just because of a team need. But I think Logan Kohler is exactly what we were looking for. You know, we were very, very bullish in the third base transfer portal market. There's one lot of guys that can play. But Logan's coming around. And anything head to the left side nowadays, I expect it to be an out. Uh, Dylan Cup, impressive again. He, he rifled uh, a double 
back in the right center yesterday. The bat is probably a little farther along than people kind of led me to believe. I think he's done a good job. And he's not built like a freshman. You know, a lot of these guys show up and you think, okay, you know, they've been able to turn the ball around in high school, but can they get the ball out of a college infield as a hitter? I really like our freshman group. Ethan Pulliam, a uh, guy that played soccer with my youngest, Ian, when we first moved to Starkville, uh, has worked some at second base. Now, he's down the depth chart a little bit, but uh, he has kind of been a surprise this fall, too, as a guy that, especially with the bat, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that he would maybe adjust to college pitching as quickly as he has, but uh, an elite baseball prospect just so happened to grow up in Starkville, uh, big Bulldog fan, right? I mean, you know, it's what you'd expect, but – uh, I like the look of our team. And, again, you're hitting your pitching, and you're pitching to your hitters, right? So that's kind of a Mox Knicks type deal. But, again, the takeaway, defensively, we are a better team than we were last year. It doesn't matter who's putting the ball in play. It doesn't matter who's pitching. We are a better defensive team. Baseball is baseball in that respect. Because you would say, well, if we're dominating offensively, then pitching must be bad. And if we're dominating on the mound, then hitting must be bad. But defense is defense. And so we have looked really, really good. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's Mershon at short or if it's Dylan Cup at short. Uh, Kohler has done a really good job at third. And I, I, Honestly, I think all of our third basemen have played pretty well. Uh, Amani Larry, of course, played some at second. I don't know if he's not your right-handed DH, to be honest with you. I, I mean, we, I, we've got some guys, honestly, that are on this campus route right now that I think are better defenders all around than Amani. That's not to say that, uh, you know, Amani's a guy that's made some very, very impressive athletic plays at second. So we're going to have some options. I just kind of wonder, how are we going to work this whole thing with Cup, Mershon, and Larry? How does that work out? You know, what do you do? I'd also like to point out Johnny Long. We signed Johnny Long. A lot of people thought, okay, he's just going to be a backup catcher. No, no he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> Matter of fact, he wore the gold jersey for defense yesterday. There is one player of game to game that is recognized for defensive play in a previous game. Uh, Johnny Long has hit the baseball exceptionally well the last two weeks. So he's going to play. I mean, he's not just going to be, you know, the old salty veteran that sits out there and, you know, tells all these great stories and is always the attaboy guy. Johnny Long can help this team win ball games. He absolutely can. Uh, Rice Highfell's had a great fall, and Ross is the undisputed starter. That said, when we have to play somebody else, uh, I, I think if I had to call it today, I think Johnny Long has done enough to be number two. Jackson Owens right there with him. And then you look at Steven Spoleto, what he's done with the bat. you got to find a way to get him some A-Bs. You know, maybe that he works some in the midweek at third base. I don't know. But there's a little more depth on this team, and there's more length in the order. But, again, I begin to think about what Connor Heizak could be. And a lot of people question, you know, Steve, why is he playing center field? Um, he's athletic enough to do it, and he looks more athletic now than he did last year. He looks a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker out there. Uh, but you, you know what you have with Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines, and we're going to speak with both of those guys a little bit later today. We'll have full coverage of today's media baseball opportunity or baseball media opportunity uh, at Gene's page uh, this afternoon. And uh, so we'll keep you abreast of that. And, of course, we're getting ready to kind of wrap up uh, our on-campus scrimmages. And, of course, they'll be at Louisiana Tech this weekend. So if you're in North Louisiana looking for something to do, go watch the Bulldogs play the Bulldogs over there. And then, of course, we'll have UAB here and uh, that will pretty much conclude our, our fall baseball schedule. 
but it has been a good fall. I'm eager to get Lamonis's reaction uh, today. Uh, yeah, and, and Chris is always a little bit guarded when it comes to the negative part of things, but uh, I'm, I'm optimistic, and I've, I've kind of transitioned from being cautiously optimistic to just simply being optimistic. Am I overly optimistic? Am I really optimistic? I'm not there yet. But I think based on what I've seen from the team here in the last couple of weeks, uh, we're figuring some things out. And there, sometimes you have these guys just, you know, hit the ground running and they get through, you know, week to 10 days of fall ball and they begin to fade, you know, as pitchers kind of learn how to hit, how to pitch them. And then the same thing for some pitchers, right? Um, but, you know, I feel we have been much more consistent than I expected us to be on the mound. And again, we're – Guys, what are we trying, 30 pitchers out there? You know, every, trying to get, you know, work for everybody. Uh, Nate, again, looked good. Uh, I thought Brooks was a little bit shaky again yesterday. That's the second time for him. Brooks at times shows some real flashes. Brooks Auger we're talking about here. Uh, and then other times, you know, it's, you know, he, he didn't miss a lot of bats. But uh, the velo is up. He hit 96 yesterday. Gerangelo hit 98 yesterday. I didn't know that he had that in him, to be quite honest with you. So what that tells me is what we're doing from a movement and a pitching mechanic standpoint is working. Because we're starting to see guys have a little more bite on the fastball and a little more you know, break on the breaking ball. We, we have some filthy sliders. And I, I tell you, watching uh, you know, uh, Nate yesterday, you know, last year it was basically a two-pitch mix, right? Last year it was basically fastball slider, fastball slider. We changed location around a little bit. We bust somebody in on the hands. Uh, Nate has thrown three and four pitches this year. And uh, the work that we're doing on our throwing mechanics is evident when you look at how great the arm action and speed is on the changeup. Some guys have a tendency to slow their arm down a bit when they're throwing that circle change or a straight change. You know, it's like instead of just trusting the grip and trusting the mechanics, we, we just there's just some human nature at times that you want to pull back. You want to pull that string yourself. I don't see that with our guys. And when you do that, you tip the pitch, right? When you don't throw from the same arm slot with the same arm speed, it lessens the impact of the changeup. Because good hitters in this league are going to recognize a tell. And that's what happens. But, uh, again, I have – Again, elevated my expectations from cautiously optimistic to simply optimistic. And um, talking to some people in baseball, you know, there's some guys in MLB that uh, scouts and say, you know what, this Bulldog pitching staff may prove to be a little bit better than we expected. And uh, Cal Stevens getting mentioned a lot. We have we only seen Carson Ligon the one time, uh, and he was good when he pitched. And uh, again, they're just trying to get, kind of get him back. You know, he was a little bit uh, tender down the stretch last year at Miami. But the pieces are there, and it does appear that the early work from Justin Parker is taking root. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're about to host a regional, but I will tell you that the work is being done uh, to improve this baseball team and program, and uh, based on recent returns, it appears the team is improving, and that's what you want to hear. And it's all going to boil down to pitching, right? And uh, you got so many arms to choose from, yeah, that was a thing. Like people said, but Steve, last year, how optimistic were you in fall? I thought we'd be a road regional team. Didn't think we'd have the injuries that we had, but also, 
I thought offensive we'd be able to care, kind of carry some things, but uh, we were not good defensively in fall last year. And you kind of kick that around, right? You say, well, you know, we're trying different guys. Uh, it doesn't really matter who we trot out there these days. The competition defensively has been so much better than it was last year. And so when you couple all those things in together, you know, when you look at, okay, you're asking more of the offense, you're asking more of the pitchers because you can't defend. Well, now that we can defend, you know, it takes the pressure off everybody. And now that we can throw strikes, and it's so interesting. Now, again, I read these comments from people, and I love you all to death, but some of you make my head hurt. We go out there and pitch 14 innings, and we have six walks, and people are like, oh, too many walks. Guys, we're pitching all 14 innings. It's a seven-inning game. We got Bulldog pitchers throwing for both teams. It's not like we had six walks and seven innings. We had six walks and 14 innings. We're not playing against UAB. We're playing against Mississippi State. So the collective number of walks, and there have been some games that we've struggled to find the zone. It's true. But consistently, you're seeing guys go out there and compete within the zone. And uh, I love the, 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 the tightness of this team. And I don't know that that really existed last year. And to be honest, I think Dakota Jordan's uh, personality has been good. I mean, he's a competitive guy. Uh, Hunter Hines is a competitive guy, not as vocal as some other guys are. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the team. And uh, the fact, part of that optimism is because it's not just Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan hitting the home runs. You know, you got some other guys up there. We're going to be an offensive lineup. And I think you know, we're going to take a step forward pitching-wise. Last year, goodness, if we had just been good pitching-wise, we'd have been in a regional somewhere. If we'd just been good defensively, you'd probably be in a regional too. But when you begin to couple the fact that you know what you should have offensively and you are markedly better defensively and you're showing improvement on the mound, there is reason for optimism. Hopefully you can come out and, uh, and see the Bulldogs play soon. You know, we're about four months away from kicking this thing off. And, of course, there's still some chances for you to see the Bulldogs play. But uh, thanks for everybody that came out last night. It was a really nice little atmosphere. And uh, I thought the university did a good job in kind of making that game feel a little bit special. Uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, some big flies last night. And, uh, you know, Maroon wins the ball game and I think wins the series. And we'll play again today. And I'm not sure how much I hang around for that. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But, um, you know, of course, we got some basketball stuff coming up here in a month. We'll uh, begin to start talking more basketball uh, with fall baseball winding down. I encourage you, as always, uh, come be a subscriber over at jeanspage.com. You can get 30% off the annual membership right now. Or if you just want to try us out, you get one month for a buck, one month for a buck, uh, come be a part of us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.